life's lemons. Um, and I know that Thanksgiving, like, if you're anything like me, you came in today, you're stuffed. I think I'm about five pounds heavier. It's so funny. Every Thanksgiving, we were driving home from my parents' house, and me and she were like, yeah, okay, so this week we're going to juice all week. We're going to get our body back. We're going to clean our house, you know. And then we get back from my parents' house, and I open the fridge, and there's, like, leftover turkey, leftover mashed potatoes. And I'm like, no, it's okay. We'll gain a little more weight, and then we'll do that. And so, but... Thanksgiving also, other than the food and all of the good that comes with it, I know that for many of us, it's also just a really large, like, reflection and awareness of where we are in our life. I know that many of us sit at tables where there's empty seats, where maybe there used to be a family member who has, we've lost, or maybe there is a family member no longer sitting in that seat because of a broken relationship or a situation that Um, caused bridge to be burned, or maybe we're sitting at a table where we don't have as much as we used to have because finances this year aren't what they were last year, and we're sitting in the midst of the realities, right? I tell people, which my family's probably going to hear this because my mom listens to my sermons, but you know when you, when I lived in California, it's very easy to like idolize your family, right? Like, because you're not living by them. So like, you have this view of like, what is it like to have Thanksgiving with my family, you know, because I don't get to have that. You have this view, and then you move home, and you're like, oh, right, like, (laughs) we're family, (laughs) right? We fight. It's messy, but we all have that, right? We sat at tables this week with the messiness of life, the realities of kind of where we're at, where we wish we were, where we don't measure up, where we don't have what we used to have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I know that for me, many times I get lost in the what I don't have instead of what I do have, you know, who's not at the table instead of who is at the table, who I've lost versus who I've gained, who maybe wasn't there last year, that is there this year. And I think we begin to have a perspective many times that's viewed through a lens of the lemon instead of lens of what God has given us. And so today we're just going to talk about life lemons, that through it all, God is good. And man, life is full of lemons, right? It is. There's times that things happen, that cards are dealt to us, but we have to remember the truth of who and what God is and who and what he's done. Man, when I was little, and this is going to be a message where you guys hopefully don't leave like, duh, but it is kind of a duh message. Like, we all are going to know what we're going to talk about today. But how many of you know, even as T.D. said earlier, we are a forgetful people. That sometimes we have to be reminded that God is on our side. That God is a good God. And we forget that so easily. When I was younger, I was reading through my Bible, and I just realized, like, I really struggle in this area. And so I made a book. And I'm talking, I was like 12 or 13. I made a book, and every time I was reading scripture and there was a promise from the Lord, I wrote it in my book. And so I have a book just of promises from God. What he says he will do. And, man, that book filled, I remember being like, I didn't know there were this many promises. Like, maybe, like, you know, as I was doing it. But when I went through some of the most difficult times in my life, you know what I think back on and what I look back at? That book. What has God promised? Because we forget. We forget. We know that he's good, but sometimes we need help remembering, right? This book I've been reading, um, it's called Anxious for Nothing. It says in one part, it says, life gives lemons to good people, bad people, old people, all people. Life comes with lemons, but we don't have to suck on them. Isn't that good? Right? We don't have to suck these lemons dry to sit 
in the mess that we have been given or to sit in the situation that seems detrimental or to sit and stew and just chew and suck the lemon dry. We don't have to. We all know these people though, right? Maybe you're one of these people. Maybe you're in a season where you're like, yeah, I think I'm that person. That you just suck the lemon dry. That everything, every circumstance, every conversation, every moment loops back around to the lemon. Everything is viewed through the, well, I don't have, well, I don't get to do that. Well, I don't have that people or I don't have that family or I don't have those resources or I don't have this. And our life becomes viewed through the lemon. Every situation, every circumstance, and every conversation through a lens of the limit. My mom called the other day, and me and my mom, when I used to live here when I was a teenager, we'd always go shopping together. It was like our thing, which I blame her for my shopping addiction, but I'm working on it. Anyway, she called the other day for like the 20th time asking if I would meet her to go shopping, and I'm like, Mom, I have told you I don't have money. <laughs> like, I don't have the money for this. Like, I can't just go shopping with you. I'm not in the same place as life as you. I don't have the money. We're tight right now. And she's like, you know, it just stinks because, like, I just want to hang out with you. Like, I just want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. But all I ever hear is that you don't have the money. And it, like, something in my brain was like, oh, I've been so focused on the lemon that I have forgotten the fact that I have my mother when a lot of people don't. I can go shopping with her. I do have a car that can get me to Tulsa. I can spend time with her. And look, I am not a window shopper. I hate window shopping. I don't understand the point of it. Like, if I'm going in, I'm going in to buy. Like, I don't go into stores if I don't have money, right? So it's hard for me to be like, yes, let's just go look at all the things I can't have. But right, I have a mom. I have someone who wants to spend time with me. I have the ability to get there. I have the ability to walk through stores where not everyone even has the ability to walk. But we miss out on so much of life's opportunities because we're so focused on the lemon, the lemon of finances, the lemons of have not. And I know that's a small example. Maybe for some of us it's a betrayal, a hurt, a loss of life, a big event in your life that, man, that lemon sucks. But we don't have to suck it dry. We don't have to suck on the lemon until our mouths become so raw, right? We've all met people who just view everything through a very raw stance. It's like you just say something and they're hurt because they're just so raw. We don't have to get there. We don't have to allow our souls to take beatings over and over again until they became raw because we just sit and stew on the lemon where we view everything through a raw vantage point. One of my mentors used to always tell me, Callie, you don't, you can have a critical eye, but don't ever have a critical spirit. But that's a fine line, right? We have to keep watch over our heart, over our minds, over our soul to know when a critical eye is becoming a critical spirit. We have to keep watch over that or it will happen. And it's the same with the lemons of life. We have to keep watch. Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else for from it, flows the springs of life. Man, if we don't guard our hearts, if we don't guard what we allow in, what we stew on, what we chew up, the springs of life will dry up. 
You know, those Christians, look, I'm not talking about being the Christian that comes in a room and you're sobbing and someone asks you how you are and you're like, oh, I'm blessed. And it's like, what? You're crying. <laughs> like, I'm not talking about fake it till you make it. I'm not talking about pretending as if lemons don't exist or just skating over them. But I am talking about not stewing on the negatives of life. We don't downplay the lemons, the realities that they are really rotten, really sour, sometimes really, really hard things. But wait, we also never downplay the power of God. I used to really struggle when I was younger, and I know I've talked about this a little bit, but if God actually forgave me, I really struggled. And the moment it really started to change for me is when God spoke, because I understood the greatness of my sin. And honestly, I think some of us don't understand how wretched we are before the Lord. Like, our sin is a big deal. It's a big problem. It's a big enough problem that Christ came to the cross. So our sin is a big deal. But what I had done is I had given my sin so much power that one day God spoke to me and said, I understand, but you are downplaying my blood. And I think sometimes we get a little confused where the power is at. Yes, our sin is big. Yes, that lemon is rotten. Yes, that is horrific. That is a tragedy. But let me tell you this. God wins every time. God's power is greater. God's blood is bigger. We must remind ourselves constantly where the power lies. So today, we're not downplaying the lemons. We don't need to pretend they don't exist. We don't need to always say we're blessed. We don't need to fake it till we make it. We can walk out the lemons and the pain and the tragedy sometimes of life with a confidence that God is bigger. But we must keep watch over who has the rightful place in our life. Does the lemon or does the Lord? Who has its rightful throne? We must keep watch over the springs of life, over what dwells within us. Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Right? I mean, they knew. Like, our minds wander. Our minds need to be reminded. And if we dwell on the negative, we will see through a lens of the negative. But we must dwell on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. We have control over whether we think life or death. And many times we think, no, the circumstance that has been dealt to me, if that wouldn't have happened, I would be a joyful person. Well, if I had more money, I would have an easier life. I wouldn't be as stressed. But that's not scripture. Because our circumstances don't hold the power, our God does. And we must remind ourselves that we have to dwell on who's at the table, not who isn't. Because Christ died so that we could what? Live. Live. John 10, 9 says this. It starts in verse 9. It says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find what? Good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold and I will bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Man, that's how powerful our God is. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also take it up again. Dang, that's good. For this is what my father has commanded. Man, I love this because he does not deny the lemons, right? Wolves will come. But what does he say? I'm not going to run away when they do. I will lay down my life for the sheep. Man, that is good, good news. That when the wolves come for us, we have a shepherd who will sacrifice his life for us. That's good news that Christ died on our behalf. And look, we have a choice though, right? As sheep in the field, we have a choice. Do we see the wolf or do we see the shepherd? And many times we become so focused in on the wolf that is coming that we forget the power of the shepherd beside us. And we don't have to look at the wolf the whole time. We can look at the shepherd and trust that he is taking care of us. And let me tell you this this morning. Our shepherd trumps the wolf. Period. Bottom line. Our shepherd is more powerful than any wolf. He's a good shepherd. The pasture he has for us is good. Man, I need to be reminded of that. It's good. The message translation says it this way. I came so that they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Man, when you woke up this morning, were you like, yes, God has a life for me better than I dreamed of. But I mean, that's what it says. But we wake up being like, oh my gosh, what is life going to do to me today? What cards are going to be dealt? What lemons are going to drop in my lap? Should I hit the snooze 10 more times like I'm like a snoozer? TD's not. He just like gets up. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I just hit snooze over and over. But we should be a people, right? If we know our God, if we truly know how good the good news is, we really should be waking up. I'm not saying pretending or faking, but waking up with a confident hope that what God has for me today is good. It's good. We can celebrate. We can be joyful even in the midst of life's lemons. We don't have to downplay them. We just have to have a real view of who our God is. What lens do we see through today? The lens of the lemon or the lens of life and a good life? The lens of bad news or the lens of good news? The lens of eternity or the lens of earth? I know it's not easy. Look, sometimes these lemons shake us at the core really rattle us, cause us to question our faith, to doubt whether God is good, to doubt whether we're going to make it out of this alive. But God is still good. 
And there is a greatness of his good news. And I promise you this, the good news always trumps the bad news. It always trumps. Look, the lemons may be sour to the taste. They may be. But they're also good for the body. I love it. My son, he, even this morning, he asked for a lemon. I'm like, does he know I'm preaching on lemons? But he asked for a lemon. I love it. As soon as he eats something sour, he always says, pizzazz. It's so cute. I'm like, oh, yes. But we all have those moments in life where it's kind of like, oh, what just happened? Like, oh, that's sour. Oh, I wasn't expecting that, you know? Like, ah. The lemon may be sour, but if you know or if you, like, research anything, it's very easy to find, right? Lemons are actually pretty healthy for us. They're sour to the taste, but they are good for the body. If you drink lemon water in the morning, it actually helps you absorb nutrients better. So those things in our life that may be sour to the taste, man, sometimes they are also very good for the body, for the soul. They have health benefits. Our souls become healthier. James 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When trials come, count it joy. <laughs> what? But trials bring about spiritual health, maturity in us, maturity in our faith. I love it. The message says it this way. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Right? We've all been there. Like when it rains, it pours. Consider it a gift when trials come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Man, this last season I have walked through, which many of you know, some of the darkest times in my life of anxiety, of panic attacks, the reality of like, and a lot of people think, oh, she's just worried. No, it's really a response that your body is responding to, but it's a, res a lot of times it's a response to a lot of unhealthy habits. But what I have learned more than anything is God continues to tell me, walk it out to completion. Let the lemon do its work. And many times we miss it, and we don't take advantage of these lemon moments. Man, don't waste your lemon. Like if you are in a trying time, a trying season, get everything you can out of it so that your soul becomes healthier. Walk it out to completion. And let me tell you, every single day I think I ask the Lord, am I there? Like, have I walked it to completion? Every single day I've heard the answer, no. So I think also sometimes us walking it out to completion takes a lot longer than we think. But lemons can be good for the body. It produces a health in us, an ability to absorb nutrients effectively. It exposes and corrects the unhealthiness in us, right? Man, trials have a way, just as the message said, trials have a way of exposing it and bringing to the light what our faith really looks like. But how many know that's good? <laughs> It's better to be in the light than it is to be in the dark. It's better to know what's going on in you than to be unaware that your soul is decaying. So rejoice when trials come and let the lemons of life bring health. 
Even in death, man, even the lemon of all lemons, there is life, right? The Lord allows sour moments to become a vehicle for refreshment. That's good news. That's how good our God is. Philippians 1.21 says this, for me, living means living for Christ and dying even better. He's saying, man, even if the worst lemon happens to me, that's even better. That's good news for us as Christians. Man, Christ has overcome. Even in the worst moments, we have eternal life. The lemons of life do not have the last say. The sour moments will one day result in refreshment. I think we all sometimes sit and dwell. I think we all have those like different lemons for us. You know, those different things that would just seem to always come back. Always have a sour and taste in our mouth. Maybe for some of us, it's the lemon of the past, right? Past mistakes, past circumstances, past regrets, things that you wish you would have done or you wish you would have done when you were younger that now you're paying for today. The lemons of the past. But let me tell you this. He redeems the past. His redemption trumps our past. So while your past may be great, my past may be great. His redemption trumps the greatness. What does scripture say? Where sin abounds, what? Grace abounds all the more. His redemption wins. Ephesians 1, 6 says this, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. His redemption trumps your past. Or maybe it's the limit of the present. Man, you feel like you're just sitting in the midst of it today that I'm not who I thought I would be at this point in my life. Maybe you feel like maybe you've actually taken steps backward and you're thinking, how did I get here? Or maybe you're walking with someone through disease. Or maybe you're walking an aging parent through the last steps of their life and you're thinking, man, today is sour. The lemon of the present is tough. But let me tell you, the Lord's process trumps our lemons. The Lord's process matters. He cares about the process. And if there is still life and breath for you today, there is still purpose. There is still healing power. Our God is still on the throne, creating in us a clean heart, renewing our minds, changing our thinking, building in us endurance. The game's not over. And a lot of times, like, I know especially even younger in ministry, I used to always think, like, okay, I haven't written a book yet. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Our church isn't, like, a mega church yet. Like, uh, am I behind, you know? But then I started realizing a lot of the people who I aspire to be or look at accomplish these things at a much, much older age than me. There is a process. The other day in the airport, I saw a shirt that said, Beyonce didn't become this overnight. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. She did it, you know? But I think so many times when we do this, even if you're the same age as who you're comparing yourself to, we oftentimes think, well, like, I'm not that person. But God cares more about who you are than what you do. What is your mindset like? What does your heart look like? What is, what is your strength like? He's redeeming and restoring and building in us an endurance and a character, and that matters. 
So today, if you are sitting in the midst of the lemon, if you are not where you want to be, if you have taken steps backwards, if you are just walking through something that is difficult, my prayer today is to be that we would let the lemon do its work. That we would trust God in the process and we would come out the other end with a built-up endurance, a built-up faith, a built-up strength that we didn't have before. Because we can sit with the lemon in our mouth and let it rot our teeth away and become bitter, ugly people. Or we can sit in the lemon while it passes, trust God, and allow it to build health within us. So this morning, if today your present is sour, know that refreshment's coming. Let the lemon do its work. Walk it out to completion. Walk it out to completion, but know that your refreshment is coming, and know this again, the shepherd always trumps the wolf. So if you are staring the wolf in the eyes this morning, man, turn your head and look at the shepherd. Look at the shepherd, or maybe the lemon is the future, man, this is the one that's tough for me. I don't do well with, like, the unknown, and I tend to be, like, a doomsday person of, like, What's going to happen? Like, what's God going to do to me? You know, or what are we going to have to walk through? Who's going to die? What's going to happen? Like, this is how my mind just goes sometimes, you know? So maybe for you, the lemon is the future, the unknown. Or maybe for some of us, the known. Maybe somebody we love has just been diagnosed with cancer. Maybe there's some really real known things coming up ahead of us. This, though, we do know. Our future is secure. We know our destination. So we as Christians can look at the unknown, the scary that maybe lies ahead, or we can set our eyes on the security of our future that has been secured. Hebrews 6.18 says this, Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have a hope as an anchor for our souls. That's such good news that our future is secure, period. The unknown will come, the lemons will come, and we don't know what those are going to be, but what we do know is our future is secure, and it is an anchor for our souls. And you know what? This anchor trumps any vicious storm. And that's good news, that like no matter what storm comes, no matter how vicious and crazy it is, our anchor is deeper. Our anchor, our hope, our security cannot, will not budge. That we have an anchor for our souls. And it trumps the storm. That is good news. We can walk in boldness and confidence and faith knowing that whatever lies ahead, we have an anchor for our souls. But we get to choose, right? Just like Peter when he got out of that boat. You looking at the water or are we looking at Jesus? Are we trusting that the anchor is firm? Are we getting that anchor in deeper? Are we studying his word? Are we being diligent to really solidify our relationship with the Lord, to get it faithful and true that it will withstand storms? Are we just looking at the waves? Because we have 
an anchor for our souls. And we can be thankful. Man, the lemon may be sour today, but refreshment is coming. Man, this storm is crazy around me, but I am secure. We don't have to suck the lemons dry until we become raw people. But we can allow them to bring health within us, a new maturity, a new faith, a new confidence, a new endurance. As we close today, I just want to look briefly at how Christ responded to the ultimate lemon. Man, Jesus, when he knew his day was coming, right? He was about to face the most horrific, gruesome death. And we know this, but it's so good to just be reminded of what Christ went through for us. He was fully God, but he was fully human. He felt every nail, every thorn, every torture that was done to him, he felt. And he knew that this was coming. It was real. He was facing his looming death, and not just death. I think we all have this, like, how will I die what will that moment be like? What will I feel? But imagine Jesus knowing I am about to face the cross. And it was real for him. I mean, in Mark 14, it says this. He prayed, Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Man, he knew. He even told God, please take this. He didn't walk into this lightly. He had a full awareness, right, of what he was about to experience. The pain, the horrific thing that was about to be dealt to him. So in the shadow of the cross, right, the cross is evident. He knows his hour has arrived. He's sitting with his disciples. He knows that it's coming, right? For me, I think I would have been in a straight-up panic, like, this is happening, this is coming, I think I wouldn't even have been able to see straight, right? Because you know that your death is like looming. But what does Christ do as he sits there with his disciples? With the weight of it all, he washes their feet. What? In John 13, 1 through 17, this is what it says. He was it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Man, in a moment of a looming death, a horrific death, a gruesome death, he served someone else. He washed their feet. And not just that, he washed Judas's feet. The one who was about to deal him the lemon, he washed his feet. It goes on in verse 14, it says, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you example to follow. Do as I have done for you. So when life's lemons are looming, man, when you face some of the toughest days you have ever faced, many times our selfish desire is to what? Retreat, 
to become a victim, to say, well, I don't have, you do have, I don't have that opportunity, you do have that opportunity. Well, I'm facing this and you're not facing that. But what did Jesus do and what are we to follow? He washed their feet. And not just that, he washed the feet of the offender. So when life's lemons loom, man, when our hour has come, I remember as a little girl thinking, what will it be like when my grandparents die? Like, I don't know if I'll live through that because, I mean, they were basically parents to me. And they did, right? That hour came. That time came. That moment came. So when our lemons come, when our lemons are looming, when the hour has arrived, how do we respond? What do we do? Do we wash others' feet? Quite possibly the offender's feet. And I believe that if we allow the lemons up till that point to create in us an endurance, a character, a faith, that when the lemon comes, the looming, horrible lemon, we will have the character to do this, to wash the feet of others. And I love it because he understood eternity. I think about, like, how did Jesus do this, right? He was fully human. He was fully God, which I am not. But how did he do this? But I think he was able because he understood the goodness that awaited him. Man, I think if we could really grasp, like our minds are so small, but if we could really grasp like Christ did, the goodness of heaven, the goodness of our God, the goodness of his grace, how good it is that we would be able to walk through lemons washing people's feet because we understand how good it is that awaits us. Man, the good news for him trumped the bad news. But I mean, guys, the bad news was the cross, right? The bad news was nails being hammered through his hands. The bad news was suffocating to death. The bad news was being stabbed in the side. The bad news was everyone whom he had loved and died for mocking him, spitting him, and yelling, crucify him. That was the bad news. But for me, that just makes me think, so how good is the good news? <laughs> right? The good news must be really, really good. Really good news. Because he understand what, laid ahead, what lied ahead of him. And when we understand eternity, I am convinced of this. When we understand how good God is, then we will be more focused on people today. You know when I become the least focused on people? When I don't know who God is. <laughs> when I'm doubting my own stuff. We must get our eyes on Christ. The horrific torture and torment and crucifixion means only how good the good news really is. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. The joy awaiting him trumped the pain of the cross. That's how good the good news is. The resurrection was coming. Life was coming. He understood the eternity that awaited him, the goodness of the grace that we would experience. And he did it for us. Man, do we worry so much about the past or so much about the future that it takes us 
to like write back then or over there or out there when this happens that we're almost living so outside of the present because we're worried about everything else that we miss the opportunities to wash people's feet today. When we become distracted by the lemons of the past, the present, or the future, we become so narrow-sided narrow -sided, that we miss the opportunities we have. Man, if you are so focused on the wolf instead of the shepherd, you will miss the other sheep. I've been in ministry long enough to see it. The most judgmental people are usually the ones who haven't received God's forgiveness for themselves. When we are staring at our own unforgiveness, we become very critical of other people. But when we believe I have been forgiven, what do we do? We forgive others. When we are staring at so much unforgiveness and shame and guilt, what do we do? We put that on other people. When we are people who believe that the good news is actually good news, then what does it become for other people? Good news. When we view God through a lens of bad news, then what does it usually come out of us looking like? Bad news. What we focus on, what we set our eyes on, what we fix our eyes on usually becomes the springs of life that flow out of us, right? So what? Set your eyes on what is noble, what is pure, what is trustworthy, what is righteous. Man, if you have trouble today believing your forgiveness, set your eyes on God's forgiveness and his grace. I promise you, you will be less judgmental. Because if we have been forgiven much, we will forgive much. We all know the saying, right? And it's true. Hurt people hurt people. If we suck lemons dry and become raw people, we are going to deal that out to other people. Christ knew the joy that awaited him. So in a moment of looming death, he what? He washed people's feet. He knew how good God was. If we truly believe we are forgiven, man, let's forgive others. If we truly believe eternal life awaits us, then let's bring eternity to people today. We can set our sights on the truth of God's goodness. Put God in his rightful place. The shepherd trumps the wolf. His redemption trumps our past. His process trumps our present. His security, the anchor, trumps the storm of the future. He has redeemed our past. He's working in our present. He's secured our futures. Man, he wins. He wins. His goodness wins. It's good. He's a good shepherd with a good pasture for us. In the midst of the sour moments today, can we be thankful that our refreshment is coming, that he is building a health in us? And would we become so disciplined in our thinking that when life's lemons come, no matter how bad they are, that we don't downplay them. But what it does is we make much of God. That while the cross looms before us, man, that is a big deal. While those things loom before us, we press through because of the joy that awaits us. Because the good news is that much better than the bad news. The good news wins. If I could have the worship team come up. 
I love it because the sour taste is not the last one in our mouth. And if today you are struggling, maybe rightfully so, you are in a very sour place. You've been dealt very sour lemons. Maybe there's mentally stuff going on, physically stuff going on, things in your family, broken relationships. I want to encourage you this morning, the sour taste will not be the last one in your mouth. Psalms 24.8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. So today, if there is just a lot of sourness in your mouth, my prayer today is that we would allow ourselves to taste and see that God is good. And I don't know if you're anything like me, like maybe I'm just like a Debbie Downer at times, but I tend to have a hard time trusting God for the good, you know? Some of my toughest prayers are like praying like, God, bless the finances of our church. God, bless the people of our church. God, bring more people. God, do miracles in our life. God, you know what? Sometimes the scariest prayer for me, God, heal them of cancer. Because I have a hard time sometimes trusting that God is good. But he is good. He's good. It's good news. He has good pastures for us. He has a good future awaiting for us. He is a kind and a gracious God. What does scripture say? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So where have we gotten it twisted? The world may be really, really bad at times, but our God is really, really, really good. And we can ask him for good things. That isn't selfish. If my son asked me for good things, not once have I ever said, shame on you, how selfish to think that I would get you a Christmas present. Right? No. We can ask our good father, our good shepherd for good things. And we can trust that as sour as life gets, that he is better he is better. I want to close with this verse this morning, and it's in Psalms 103. It says this, Oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I'll bless his holy name. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. Man, would that be true of us, God, that I would not forget a single blessing? And then I put this part up on the screen because I think it's so good. He forgives your sins every one so if today you have begun to believe that God is not good in this area for you that he does not forgive your sins that maybe in this area he's bad let me read it again he forgives your sins every one he's good if you're with disease today if you are sick he heals every disease every one and we can pray for that for healing power. He redeems you from hell and saves your life. Man, if you have nothing really to be thankful for today, you have this. If you are a Christian, you are following the Lord, you have put your hope in him, you can be thankful that he has redeemed you from hell. He's good. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. Man, that's a crown that never fades away. It doesn't decay. It doesn't rust. We're not going to leave it behind when we die. It's a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness 
beauty eternal. Man, he renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. Man, that's good news. It goes on to say God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. He showed Moses how he went about his work, opened up his plans to all Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He is rich in love. God doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor holds grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love to those who fear him. And as far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins. As parents feel for their children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out. Keep in mind that we're made of mud. Man, men and women don't live very long. Like wildflowers, they spring up and blossom. But a storm snuffs them out just as quickly, leaving nothing to show. But God's love is ever and always eternally present to all who fear him. Make everything right for them and their children as they follow the covenant and remember to do what he has said. God has set his throne in heaven. He rules over all of us. He's the king. So bless God, you angels, ready and able to fly at his bidding, quick to hear and do what he says. Bless God, all you armies of angels, alert to respond to whatever he wills. Bless God, all creatures, wherever you are, everything and everyone made by God. And you, oh my soul, bless God. Man, life gets tough, but can we make much of God? Because God is that much bigger and if you have begun to believe a lie that there are parts of God that are not good may we repent this morning because all of God is good all of God is gracious is just is kind is merciful wants good things for us God is good he's good so in light of today's lemons may we still praise him and can we wash another feet? Man, even the darkness of the cross, there was resurrection power. God is not dead. He's a good God wanting good things for his people and for this world. So can we set our minds on the things that are good, are right, are trustworthy, and just put the wolf in its rightful place? That there are wolves, there are lemons but they are shamed in comparison to our God.